Welcome to episode 51 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, tell hey. me about your week, girl. Well, look at my tree. So, you know what? I, I, was I love thinking this of, tree. <laughs> thank you. My Christmas tree. I was thinking about when I was setting up the equipment today that the when we started this, yes. I had the tree up because yes. it was December. And then we talked about for months the that tree. my tree was yes. still there. <laughs> like we were in February and I was like, well, I still got my tree yes, up. How yes, funny that was. Yes. <laughs> I love your tree. Your Thank tree. You. Um, so I do a similar thing with my tree where it's very eclectic. Like, yes. And no, different. This, you would not see this in a yes. store as like yes. a perfect tree. Yes. That's my favorite kind of tree. But that's how the trees, my mom's, yes. that's what we grew up with. My mom too. Cause, and it's like, oh, look at this memory. And you know, Mary, uh, our dear, dear friend, Mary, she yes. does the same thing on her tree. Yeah. And just like being able to look at the memories and go, oh yeah, that's when so-and-so or, oh, when they were in kindergarten or, oh, yes. like this well, one. Yes. Well, we're at the I point now, like I had trees, of course, before I had children and I, I had what I like my first tree. I had to go buy all the ornaments. And now yeah. we're at the point where you don't see those on the tree anymore. Yes. Like we're at now the last few years where it's just things that they've made, just things yeah. that we've been given as gifts. Yes. And there's I, nothing like it a, makes a me regular so Christmas ornament. Yeah. yeah. So it's that's like the best. But you know, of course, then I, we were telling you before we went on the air that, you know, you look at the tree. And you're it's like, yeah, it looks tree. good. And then you get home, it starts to open. You're like, oh, there's a huge bald spot here. <laughs> and you're like putting, that's why you see the garland. It's like filling in the space. <laughs> I love it. It is a beautiful uh, little tree. Thank you. <laughs> I can't, I'm like speechless. I know. Well, listen. Okay. So I want to say a few things. First of all, I want, we have a new Patreon. And so I wanted to say thank you to, to our friend, Carolyn yes, Siegelman. Carolyn. She's the sweetest ever. Oh and we've my known her God. for a long time. Yes. She's and so we amazing. miss her. I miss her so much. And uh, she's so much fun. She's so much fun. But she's <laughs> busy in school. She's getting yes. her degree. And this is amazing. So yes. thank you, Carolyn, for being And always has uh, great hair always has great hair purple <laughs> yes. purple hair so thank you for for donating every month to us and and being a patreon we really appreciate it so oh much my God. we love our patreons yes. so much and um there was something else i was gonna say oh my goodness oh this is the last like regular episode of, of the this, year yeah, of our season our season our one season yeah so uh <laughs> next episode will be a bunch of clips and us talking about our favorite parts of the show and, and favorite and guests. Yes, and we're going to uh, maybe chat to a couple yeah. people about their favorite episodes. So yes. it's, it's going to be fun. Okay, tell me your story. Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm going to tell you about former U.S. Senator from Missouri, Thomas Eagleton. Oh. Okay. And Eagleton reminds me of, I know you don't watch it, but Parks and Recreation. I know. I need get to. Get on board, I know. Please. I need to get on board. Maybe that'll be like a, a holiday. I, I need you to do this. Okay. <laughs> Eagleton is the is the rival town next door. Like a bunch of snooty, snobby people. And they oh. look down on um, Pawnee, which is where our favorite Leslie Nope uh, reigns. Anyway, get into it, girl. Okay. All right. I, I know. I'm, I'm way behind. <laughs> behind so, the times. Yes. So Thomas Eagleton was born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1929. He graduated from St. Louis Country Day School, served in the U.S. Navy for two years, and graduated from Amherst College in 1950. He then attended Harvard Law School. Well, he started off at a country day school, so we yeah. know already <laughs> that he is from 
the upper echelon Eagleton. of, of <laughs> yeah. yes, uh, following the his, folks. Yeah, following his graduation in 1953, Eagleton practiced law at his father's firm and later became associated with Anheuser Busch's legal department. Oh, Eagleton married Barbara Ann Smith of St. Louis on January 26, 19. 56. A son, Terrence, was born in 1959, and a daughter, Kristen, was born in 1963. He was elected circuit attorney of the city of St. Louis in 1956. And during his tenure, he appeared on the TV show What's My Line as district attorney of St. Louis, and he stumped the panel. Do you know anything about the show? So this is an old-timey show. Yes. Total black and white. Yeah, and you had to guess, like, out of the people in a panel, like, which one was... No. No. You, so, what they do is, it's a panel of, like, celebrity guests. Yeah. And there's one person who appears as, like, the mystery guest, and that's what he was. And he, they have to ask him questions and guess what his job yes, was. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. So they, and he stumped them. They couldn't guess what he did for a living. Oh, oh, that's cool. Oh, so then they kind of ask like a bunch of, it's like a 20 questions, but trying to figure out like who, what profession you are. Yes. And they're, and the guests, the, the judges are blindfolded. So they're not looking at the person either. So they have no, like they can't judge through. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Let's bring that back. Yeah. I would do that. Yeah. I don't know what I would do on the show, but I would, I would be a guest on the show. Yeah. I would be a guest. So figure out who am I? Yeah. Who am I? What's my line, people? <laughs> um, so he was elected Missouri Attorney General in 1960 at the age of 31, the youngest in the state's history. Uh, he was elected the 38th Lieutenant Governor of Missouri in 1964 and won a U.S. Senate seat in 1968, unseating incumbent Edward V. Long in the Democratic primary and narrowly narrowly defeating Congress Congressman Thomas B. Curtis in the general election. So very fast, very quickly moving up the ranks here in politics in Missouri. He was instrumental to the Senate's passage of the Clean Air Act and the Clean, uh, I'm sorry, the Clean Air Act and sponsored the amendment that halted the bombing in Cambodia in effectively ending the American involvement in the Vietnam War. Eagleton was one of the authors Oh, this isn't so great. So he's super Catholic. Okay. Okay. So, but a Democrat. But uh, Eagleton was one of the authors of the Hatch Eagleton Amendment introduced in the Senate on January 26, 1983, when Senator Orrin Hatch, a Republican, which oh, stated no, we that. Know, we know Orrin Hatch. <laughs> that stated, uh. quote, a right to abortion is not secured by the Constitution, end quote. <sighs> so super. Yeah. Know, I know. Listen, your religion doesn't belong in anyone's politics <laughs> or my uterus. Yes. <laughs> um, Eagleton suffered from depression. He checked himself into the hospital three times between 1960 and 1966 for physical and nervous exhaustion, Ooh. receiving electroconvulsive <gasps> therapy twice. Oh, gosh. Okay. So he Welcome later received. Welcome to the bell jar. Yeah. He later <laughs> received a diagnosis. I'm sorry. It's always literature. I know. I'm like sorry. it's always I'm coming. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the bell jar. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I gotta write it down. You know that's the name of this episode, Tia. Welcome. Oh my god. I'll cut this out. The okay. bell jar. <laughs> that's it. Um, okay. So <laughs> he later received a diagnosis of bipolar from Dr. Frederick K. Goodwin. The hospitalizations which were not widely publicized, had little effect on his political aspirations, although the St. Louis Post-Dispatch was to note in 1972, immediately after his vice presidential nomination, which we will get into, quote, he had been troubled with gastric disturbances, which led to occasional hospitalizations. The stomach troubles have contributed to rumors that he had a drinking problem. Now, 
this is what oh, they wow. would do, right? Like if you have this mental health yeah. issue, especially like we're talking about the 60s yeah, and no, men no, no. and being like, it was you know. Still, I mean, it's still stigmatized today, but then yes. it was even Oh my gosh, could you so, imagine? And yeah. people don't understand. So it would. that's what they would say. Oh, he's got stomach issues. But meanwhile, right. that's not what was happening. Um, so the 1972 presidential election on October. On April 25th, 1972, as George McGovern won the Massachusetts Democratic primary, conservative journalist Robert Novak phoned Democratic politicians around the country to to get, like, reactions. Two days later, Novak reported in a column his conversation with an unnamed Democratic senator about McGovern. Novak quoted the senator as saying, quote, the people don't know McGovern is for amnesty, abortion, and legalization of pot. Once Middle America, Catholic Middle America in particular, finds this out, he's dead. End quote. Well, the, the, is the Catholic like that's like ringing the bell about who it could possibly be? Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> because of the column, McGovern became known as the candidate of amnesty, abortion, and acid. Even though he only supported the decriminalization of marijuana and maintained that legalized abortion fell under the purview of states' rights. Well, they had to get that alliteration in there, right? Amnesty, abortion, acid, like Like, marijuana wouldn't fit. So they needed this. (laughs) They needed a slogan. You know, it's to scare the shit out of people, acid. You know what I mean? So after a large number of prominent Democrats declined to be McGovern's running mate, Senator Gaylord Nelson, who was among those who declined, suggested Eagleton as a choice. Um, there's a great NPR radio story that I have in the notes and you should go listen to it, but it goes through how McGovern was not part like mainstream of the party. He yeah. was kind of an outsider in the party and nobody, they, the party, you know, who runs the show basically and supports whatever the presidential right. candidate is, did not want him to win. But then they kept, once he did, they wanted him to pick John Kennedy as his running mate oh. and he didn't want to pick John Kennedy and, but he wanted Ted Kennedy and Ted Kennedy kept turning him down, turning him down. He didn't want anything to do with McGovern. Um, and uh, oh, he thought so interesting. He, yeah. He wanted to convey, he couldn't, everyone turned him down. So he goes, McGovern then chooses Eagleton after a minimal background check, because we're now up to the, um, what's it called? The, um, the uh, primaries? No, 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 not the primary. The, uh, convention, the, convention, the, the convention, convention, the convention, like at the last minute, the day before the convention or whatever. Oh, this is finally Eagleton. we have the neat. Oh, yeah, so now okay. we're here. So now we're not doing a background check, right? And yeah, even when they no did vetting. background checks, it was so minimal. It was like criminal record. It was nothing yeah. about mental health. There was nothing about anything like this. Because of what happens here, everything changed when it comes to doing background checks on VP candidates. Well. Or you know, any candidates until well, like Sarah Palin. Yeah. Then it was I'm like, like, wait a minute. Thing. What about presidential? You know? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he chooses Eagleton and um, doesn't do really the background checks that was that, you know, maybe would have found some of this, but right. he made no mention of his earlier hospitalizations. And in fact, decided with his wife to keep them secret from a governor while he was flying to his first meeting to meet him, well, which is a problem. It, yeah. Give the team a heads up. And or, let them know that, hey, this might come out. I'm good. Like, we're yeah, cool. But, like, like, but maybe he was afraid that if he said that, that then they would they say, that's possible. we're not going to choose you. Yeah, and that's possible. But at this, but the, the fact of the matter is, you if your team knows it, they could come up with a way to spin it in right, some way. Or right. say, like, this is, he's a human being and other people suffer from the same things. And right, but not, back then, that, but, that's not right. the mindset. You're right, you're right. right. Especially, I think, like you said, for males at the time. Yeah. Yeah, because 
And then for women as well, because women, it was always sort of just dismissed as hysteria or, yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. You yeah. know, but for a powerful man, yeah. it would be seen as a weakness. You're right. So on July 25th, 1972, just over two weeks after the 1972 Democratic Convention, Eagleton admitted the truth of news reports that he had received electroshock therapy for clinical depression during the 1960s. So basically an anonymous caller called the McGovern headquarters and said, you know, you better look into this health background of this guy. That's messed up, though. I mean, that's his personal, you know. Yes. He's trying to, you know, just exist exist and be in the world and it doesn't mean that he's not capable of a right. job and hey he went to get help like, yes. this isn't somebody who was like waiting around for God. Um, McGovern initially said he would back Eagleton 1000% Eagleton was honest and held a press conference and admitted to the exhaustion he felt through the years saying he had pushed himself too hard and was working too hard and just okay. kind of like was like I need to like yeah couldn't keep up mentally with all of it right and okay. I mean it's clear he was yeah. moving so quickly um, and so he just went to get a little help. Like, you know, that's basically what he said yeah. in the press conference. But he was dogged. The dog, the campaign was dogged with the, quote, finger on the button. Right. This is a person who's a breath, you know, a heartbeat away from the president. And right. Is this who you want with, you know, we're in the you Cold know. War and there's everybody. That's how it you, was who, under the pressure. If he can't yes. handle this, the pressure of yes. like these smaller seats, how is he going to handle the pressure of exactly the vice the president on the button was the whole thing that kept happening. Yeah. And we did hear that with Sarah Palin. Like, is this the person you want a heartbeat away from the president? Like McCain was older. Yeah. You know, she's a little wacky, like whatever. Okay. So. Little. <laughs> Subsequently, <laughs> McGovern consulted confidentially with preeminent, uh, preeminent psychiatrists, including Eagleton's own doctors who advised him that a recurrence of Eagleton's depression was possible and could endanger the country should Eagleton become president. Wow. Yeah. I also think that we were at a time when psychologists really didn't understand. Right. I mean, they were doing electroshock therapy. And what kind and of like medicines could they possibly have had? What kind of prescription medicines could they possibly... Like, is there anything um, that would have been to put him in a coma, basically? Well, no. I mean, they were probably doing, like, lithium and, you yeah. know... Right. So he couldn't really I, function. Yeah. Those are Those are... Heavy duty. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, there's no, there's nothing that says that he was taking medicine, but like if that was the alternative, right? It, he wouldn't have been in good shape to even. I mean, work. I would have to look more into it. But another great book just dealing with, uh, yeah. you know, uh, mental health and, and all of that. Well, two of them. One is, um, of course, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm, so good. Ken Casey. Um, but then A Girl Interrupted, too. Oh, love it. Love yes. it. Love and it. that was a good movie. As great well. movie, but yes. I did. Both those are great movies. Yes. Um, on August 1st, 19 days after being nominated, Eagleton withdrew as McGovern's request, at McGovern's request. And after a new search by McGovern, Thomas Eagleton was replaced by Sergeant Shriver, former, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's father-in-law, who we covered. Wow. Yeah. Former U.S. ambassador to France and, fa- and former director of the Peace Corps. He also founded the Peace Corps and the Office of Economic Opportunity. So um, a time poll... You know, Time Magazine was mm-hmm. big at the time, right? A Time poll taken at the time found that 77% of the respondents said, quote, Eagleton's medical record would not affect their vote. And oh, vote. that's promising. I think so. Like, yeah. why not take a chance? Well, man? because most people probably know people in their own lives or yeah. they themselves, like, have struggled with depression yeah. and things like that. Exactly. That and that's how, you we, know? that's how we get over things. Yes. We talk about it. Yes. Talk, you know, make it more... Uh, known and and uh, yeah. normal, normalize it. Yes. The press made frequent ref- references to his shock therapy, and McGovern <sighs> feared that this would detract from his campaign platform. So McGovern's failure to thoroughly vet Eagleton and his subsequent handling of the controversy gave occasion for the Republican campaign to raise questions about his judgment. 
Oh, right? come on. Which is what happens. Dang. They're going to, they're going to use it. I know. This is like the, 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 the strategizing, you yes. know, like it's just so interesting. This is the stuff I love because it's all about spin. It's all about language. It's all yes. about the story that you tell yes. and, 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 and seeing how that story builds. It's yes. so incredibly Let's, McGovern's campaign didn't take the opportunity to even feel out like, let, right. let's see how people and, feel. Let's right. Take a and how can and, we spin it a different way? Yes. And, and be sympathetic and empathize. And yeah. no, 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 no. And the general election, the democratic ticket, this is, this is fucking unbelievable to me. In the general election, the Democratic ticket won only Massachusetts and the District of Columbia. No. The entire state. When I looked at the state, the entire United States was red. <gasps> and just those two little, you know, and they're tiny over there in the Northeast. No. Republican Richard Nixon became the 37th president of the United States. And, you know, yeah, nothing that was, happened during that That was that a presidency. great, great yeah. choice. <laughs> that was great. I can't believe none of us have covered, neither I mean, of us covered Watergate. I know. We should, maybe we should make that a split be, episode. That has to be a special yeah, episode. Let's do that. Let's do that Ooh. together. That would be fun. But you know, that's what's funny. That's to huge. Me. It's yeah. like, we, we didn't want to gamble on maybe somebody who has a mental health issue for exhaustion, yeah. but we're going to go with Richard Nixon. Yes. He's about to sink this mother, but he must Listen. have been quite a candidate. Listen, he's, he's not a crook. Yeah. He's a good guy. <laughs> okay. So the <laughs> aftermath, Missouri, uh, Eagleton returned to Missouri and he was reelected to the Senate in 1974. In 1980, he was reelected by a closer than expected margin over St. Louis County Executive Gene McNary. During the 1980 election, Eagleton's niece, this is wild, Eagleton's niece, Elizabeth Eagleton Wygand, and, and her lawyer, Stephen Poldenak, were arrested for blackmail after they threatened to spread false accusations that Eagleton was bisexual. What? Why? Okay, so Eagleton told reporters that the extorted money was to be turned over to the Church of Scientology. Oh, here we go. She's, she's in this cult. So right? she isn't. So isn't that wild? Yeah, but but I also was like, hmm. yeah, but so, is he in the closet? Like, could this be may, a thing? maybe? Or maybe they, that she? They ended up getting arrested, of course, and convicted for blackmailing. Well, I know what the, black yeah, male. I know what the, from what I've heard with Scientology is, is, you know, they sort of like bring you in for that interview and you get yeah. taped and taped and taped yeah. and like things are revealed and then they try to use, mm. I don't know. And, and this is coming from like the people who like, I've escaped Scientology right, 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 or whatever. Right. Oh, which is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. The Remini show. Fucking, I yes. can watch that all day. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there was some truth in it. Maybe. Or, and the Scientology wasn't super huge at this time. No, but it was starting, starting, right? And so they were going to use that money to give. So they were convicted, but at the trial for this attempted blackmail, she was on the stand saying, I made all those things up. They're not true. I was just trying to think of a way that I could get this money. But it just seems so That's, odd to me. Yeah. And we've done case, we've done stories here where there's people in the closet and he's a closeted Catholic, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. She's saying that never happened. He, of course, right. said that's not true. Right. But- I don't know. Yeah. You know, it kind of made me think like, is this why he's so what, what out he was struggling or maybe why he was, why struggling, he was struggling and then why he's so vocal yes. against all of these other things. Yes, maybe. This mental health thing, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, so they were convicted and they tried to, they appealed their case all the way to the Supreme court, arguing that they could not have gotten a fair trial because of quote, the massive publicity surrounding the Kate, the case coupled with the preexisting sentiment in favor of Senator Eagleton. Um, the court turned down the appeal and yeah, um, I mean, you're blackmailed. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter right. if you committed the crime. Um, so he did not seek a fourth term in 1986. And in January 1987, Eagleton returned to Missouri as an attorney, political commentator, and professor at Washington University in St. Louis, where he was until his death um, 
where he worked until his death. Throughout his Washington University career, Eagleton taught courses in economics and with former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors, Murray Weidenbaum, and uh, with history professor Henry W. Berger on the Vietnam War. Eagleton died in St. Louis on March 4th, 2007 of heart and respiratory complications, and he donated his body to medical science at Washington University, wow. which is amazing. Um, he wrote a farewell letter to his family and friends months before he died, <gasps> Citing that his dying wishes were for people to quote, <sighs> this is this is an incredible quote. I'm I'm telling you, I'm like, I, not that I'm going to cry because he's. I don't like the abortion stuff. Yes. I got to be honest with you. But th- to say this in a letter when you're dying is fucking wild. Like I'm starting to get a little weird. I, I know. It's go forth in love and peace. Be kind to dogs and vote Democratic. Oh, <laughs> is that like the coolest thing you've yes. ever heard? That so should be like cool. It, it's beautiful. I love it. <sighs> love it. Love it. Okay, so here's like the twist of twists. Okay. So the end yes. of the story, but like twist, twist, twist. On July 15th, 2007, several months after Eagleton's death, Novak, the reporter who had that quote from the anonymous, yes, said on Meet the Press, the TV show, that the unnamed senator was Eagleton. That is, is bonkers, yes. right? Like he talks shit about McGovern and then, and then he's like, joins the hey, ticket. I'll be VP. <laughs> it's Let's it do it. And that story like And that's what I was wondering because I'm like, wait a minute, crazy? it has to be him and now he's on the ticket. It's so bizarre. So Novak was accused in 1972 of manufacturing that quote but stated that to, the, to rebut the criticism, he took Eagleton to lunch after the campaign and asked whether he could identify him as the source and the senator refused. He said, quote, oh, he had to run for re-election, that McGovernites would kill him if they knew that he had said it. Um, political analyst Bob Shrum says that Eagleton would never have been selected as as McGovern's of running mate not. if he had been known at the time that Eagleton was the source Ugh. of the quote. Well, but couldn't they just see the word Catholic in there and say, "Well, let <laughs> me start know. checking them off." There weren't that it's many so Catholic crazy. politicians. I mean, it's crazy. So he said, "Quote, boy, do I wish, do I do I wish he would have let you publish his name? Then he would have never been picked as vice president." Because they said that that's both things had yeah. sunk it. Well, that imagine quote and. Like, and and Eagleton like sunk right. this whole thing with his mental health issues. Right, but imagine like the change in history. Like if yes, if, if Nixon, Nixon didn't win, can you imagine? I love having days. I mean, it's ridiculous because it's like what, what if, if you know? Yeah. Um, it's so then he says because the two things, the two things that happened to McGovern, two of the things that happened to him were the label you put on him. Number one, at, which was the quote, right? And number two, the Eagleton disaster. We had a, me- a messy convention because he could have, I think, in the end, carried eight or ten states, remained political politically viable, and Eagleton was one of the greatest train wrecks of all time. End quote. Wow. Could you? Wow. I mean, like if he would have had, if he would have had like Ted Kennedy on the ticket, yeah. that could have changed so much of history. But I think as far as like JFK, you know, what yes. I mean, it's just so, Who knows? so, so interesting. Yeah. So that's, uh, wow. that's Eagleton. Yeah. I like that story. Yeah, me too. I love that he is this shady guy <laughs> talking and shit. And then he gets on the ticket. And he gets on the ticket. <laughs> it's so good. But it, don't you think at some point, like, can you imagine? Have, he must have been so nervous that one, the quote, it was going to come out that he gave right. that quote. What if he was in the middle of the campaign and that happened? Oh, that would have been. And then been two, this epic. other, this mental health thing, like, he must have been on pins and needles yeah, the, whole the whole time, time, like, looking over his shoulder. And he imagine, like, the call, like, oh, McGovern wants to talk to you. He must have been oh, like, shit, he yes. has no. Yes. And then they're like, oh, you know, we're thinking about you for VP. And he's like, oh, no, they're messing with me. <laughs> yeah. They want to see, you know, like it. That, it's just funny. And then, yes. then he's like, well, I better in order to cover my bases, I better just say I want to be on it. And they'll yes. never think it's me. Oh, my God. <gasps> 
Oh my God, I love it. That's it. That's our guy. Okay, well, today I'm going to tell you the story of former governor of Illinois, George Ryan, and Operation Safe Road. Oh my goodness. So in, well, first of all, George Ryan, like, how do you feel about like first, like two first names? I like it. Do you like it? I do. I do. I like it. It always throws me off. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) in 1999, George Ryan won the governorship of Illinois, which was one of several elected positions Ryan held throughout his political career. But when a horrific traffic accident occurs, Mm. Ryan's career comes to a screeching halt. (laughs) I wish that you guys could see her face when she says these lines. That's why I laugh. I mean, they're funny, but she's also like, hey, looking for, give me the reaction I'm looking for. God, I love, uh, you know, I could just puns all day long. All right. So our story takes place in Illinois. And so I like to do the little fun facts and one little fun fact I found, well, aside from, of course, like the massive corruption that seems to always be happening in the state of (laughs) Illinois, but it was about the Lincoln Park Zoo. What? And this isn't like that big of a deal, but it's like the country's oldest public zoo, which I had no idea that it was that old. And it's also one of only three major public zoos in the whole country that don't charge an entry fee. Like you can just go to the zoo. Is Central Park Zoo like that? No, maybe not. I don't know. I I have no idea. But I was like, isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Because it's really expensive if you want to take your family to the zoo. Oh, forget about it. You know, we have a beautiful, that Miami Metro Zoo is beautiful. But my God, first of all, it's so big. Yeah. It's hard to get through. Yes. And uh, it's expensive. Yeah. We usually go when there's like some kind of deal and then you can get like a buy one, get one, you know, one of those things. All right, so we're going to just jump into some background before we get into the major crime. So according to CNN's, uh, to a CNN article, uh, George Ryan's Fast Facts, Ryan was involved in politics beginning in 1968 when he served as chairman for the Kankakee County Board. Hmm. From there, he won a seat in the Illinois House of Representatives in 1972 and later served as Speaker of the House. Then he moved into a lieutenant governor position in 1983 and in 1990 became Illinois Secretary of State. And finally, he's elected governor in 1998. So wow. he just, it was like seat after seat yes. after seat after seat. Must kinda be likable. Like, yeah, kind of like uh, our guy. Our yeah, guy, yeah. yeah. Eagleton. Eagleton. But p- for people to get move up like that, at some point they're doing something right. Yes. So according to Mike Robinson's Tulsa World article in 2001, he decided not to seek re-election because of a 1994 car accident. And that car accident led to a five and a half year investigation. Mm. So back when he was secretary of state, this car accident had happened. But meanwhile, he's moving up the ranks and getting elected. But this investigation is kind of still happening at the same time. So here we go. Mm. Uh, there's a really great article by the Associated Press uh, from 2003 that was p- posted to nwi.com, uh, and that lists the key events, and that's kind of what I'm referencing here throughout is that primary source. So back in 1993, when Ryan was then Secretary of State, the cops raid a driver's license office in Libertyville, Illinois. And allegedly, Ryan's buddy... And inspector general for the secretary of state. So he, again, he's Mm -hmm. secretary of state at the time and the inspector general for that office, supposedly, um, and this guy's name was Dean Bauer, takes a briefcase full of cash out of that 
office. What? Okay, so very sus, as the Among Us kids like to say. (laughs) This is very sus. So just keep this in mind. So they go raid this office. This other guy has taken like this like supposedly briefcase full of cash out. So that happens. Then in 1994, this tragedy strikes. So a Reverend Dwayne Willis, along with his wife, Janet, and mm. their kids are driving along the highway. Oh, God. When a part falls off of a truck and it hits their vehicle. Worst nightmare, by the way. In the end, six of their nine children die. <gasps> and the couple are severely burned. So there are some photos where he, the father, uh, the Reverend is at a press conference. And like you can see, like his hands are wrapped and he's like burned. Um, and he's taught, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Oh my God. So, six of the nine children? Six of their nine kids. Oh my God. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh. So not only is this incredibly horrific, right? And you might think, well, these things happen. Accidents happen all the time on a highway. Like it's just, yeah, you know. When you're behind those, the, those trucks. The pipes and everything yeah, on it. I, I, mean, I swear to God, I'm like, I got to get away from, I always am afraid something's going to fall right. off of those Right, and then trucks. plus when you, if you're ever in, I remember my friend April, um, shout out to April. <laughs> she had a little uh, Geo Metro mm. back back in the yes, day. Yeah. And I remember we were on 95 in, in this little Geo Metro and you would ride by like a semi trunk. Like you would almost get like swooped in oh. because like, you know, like the, yes. the, the pressure of it and you would just try to like get oh. ahead of the truck. And driving down here, forget about oh, it. Oh my God. So like any accident, an investigation, they mm-hmm. look into, okay, right. what happened in this accident? And a state investigator starts looking into the facility where the driver, a Ricardo Guzman, got his commercial driver's license. Uh And this is where things get Mm. a little mucky. Okay. So that happens in 94, but this investigation is ongoing and they start seeing things here and things there and it's moving along. So in 1998, investigators look into a facility in Melrose Park, a driver's license facility, and they arrest two current and one former employee from that place for extortion. But it doesn't end there. So basically, it ends up being like they're taking money like, oh, you need a license. Oh, you yes. didn't pass that test. Yes. Oh, give me some cash. And that's, right. that's wow. what starts happening. This is so dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. Then the, in, when they take these classes, they learn how to properly secure things to the yes. back of the trucks and make sure that they have all the right yes. straps on there to keep everything down. Correct. And just oh. like even know like So this how- guy got a license from one of these places where he didn't really Correct. pass the test. Correct. Motherfucker. Correct. Wow. So this racketeering is happening, right? They take cash to help applicants. They get their truck uh, permits. And the culprits were not only a driving school instructor, but also a former secretary of state office employee. So now the secretary of state's office is like involved in this. And so those people that are busted end up making a deal to help Operation Safe Road investigation to nab people up the ladder. Wow. Because they start realizing, oh, it's not just some instructor at this one driver's license place. Oh, there's another driver's license uh, operation happening, and it's happening there. And they start realizing, like, there's some kind of racket going on. Uh, This is incredible. it's, It's crazy. So... What's interesting is that in 1998, as information is coming out, Ryan is then elected governor, okay? And he makes, uh, because now people are talking about this story. Yeah. So he makes 3,000 drivers retake their commercial driving tests, 
And shortly after, two more people from the Melrose facility end up pleading guilty. And they also used to work for the Secretary of State office. So it's pretty clear that that office has their hands in whatever's going on. What's incredible to me is this. Who in their right, like, when you have a criminal mind, you can find a way to scam any fucking place. You know, it would never occur to me to be like, oh, you want your, oh, you failed, Mm. but hey, give me like a hundred, a thousand dollars and I'll give you, I'll give you this license. It never would occur to me that that would be a way to scam money from people. Well, this is the way that they did it. It's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. So not only are they charged with racketeering for the licenses, but they're, they also claim that they use some of that cash to buy fundraising tickets for Ryan's gubernatorial campaign. So this is like, oh, so what's Ryan's role in this? So again, this is like this five and a half And this was happening when he was the Secretary of State? He was Secretary of State, but then he runs for governor. Right, he's governor. But so all was of this, all of this happening, happening when he was Secretary of State? Like all the Yes. Time, it was happening when yes, he was... Yes, okay. when he was Secretary of State, oh, correct. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so now this is still according to that AP article more people start being convicted and caught like like year after year. It's like, Jesus. Oh, we got this person here and this, oh, and like he's they, sweating, he's sweating bullets. This guy. Yeah. That's why he's like, Oh, this is terrible. Everyone get retested. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Geez. So in 1999, two more people admit to accepting bribes and, and here it is. So a trucking company official admitted to fixing the test for the driver involved in the accident that the reverend and his children and wife were involved in. So that is like huge. Yeah. Okay. Not just money now. We're talking about no, deaths. These, these are yes. children who are dead. Yes. And, and that's the thing. So a lot of times I feel like people think, oh, okay, I'm going to take cash here and there. It's no big deal. But yes. we have tests and certifications for a reason. Yeah, the repercussions right? of this now. If you can't pass a test, then you are not Yes, qualified to drive right. that vehicle. P.S. Like, why would you want why to scam you, this? Like, this right. is a place where we actually need like we need regulation. regulation. It's just <laughs> like I mean, I mean, on a larger scale, well, not even a larger scale, but for medical boards, you wouldn't want someone operating on you who had his operate his 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 medical boards yes. fixed. You know, and these large commercial vehicles are on our roads. Like, Ooh. it is incredibly dangerous. Wow. And those children would potentially be alive. Oh my God. You know, if it wasn't for greed and like just, uh, just utter disrespect and disregard for policy and rules, like, um, it's, it's disgusting. Wow. So remember Ryan's inspector general buddy who took that briefcase. Uh, Okay. uh, Yeah. So he ends up getting indicted for hiding evidence and for trying to throw off the investigation so that Ryan wouldn't be quote embarrassed by all of this. So clearly like it's not just about Ryan being embarrassed. Like he's trying to protect Ryan. Yeah. Right. So when he went to, when they raided that office, was that for him to just be able to pick up his money? That briefcase. So he, well, they were probably seeing like, we think something's going on there, but he took that money out. So now they can't cover up to cover up. Yeah. So now check this out in 2000. So we're like moving along the years here. Um, the, investigators realize that there's probably a shit ton of drivers who may have paid for their licenses, right? Like that. It's not just like one, you know, this one little office, like they're realizing maybe it's a little bigger than they thought. So they start trying to track folks down. Mm. And in Illinois, they find out that of 40 drivers that they call in for a retest, only five of them pass. 
Oh my gosh. So they, you know, they're starting like with maybe one office at a time or whatever it is. So they call these guys in only five pass. So that means that there's 35 people out on the road every day who don't know how to secure and manage their trucks. And the AP article notes that these drivers couldn't explain how certain parts of the truck even worked. They couldn't navigate around like they were like, you know, drive around the cones. They were knocking cones over. They couldn't uh, do that. And they couldn't even shift gears properly in these vehicles. I'm so disgusted. I have to tell you. (laughs) And they're... Why do I live my life like this? Why do I go get a driver's (laughs) license? Like, why do I try to be so careful? Can you? When people just are so they're on the road, it's just unfucking believable. People are so arrogant to do whatever the fuck they want. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, it's like, okay, you didn't pass the test. That means you're done. Like, you can't do it. Yes. No. But but no, you've somehow you don't know how to shift gears. You can't name anything. But yeah, I'm gonna get in this huge. Yeah. Huge. How many tons is a semi truck? And I wonder if the companies that they want to work for are giving them the money to pay off these things and get the licenses. How is somebody who's doesn't have a job wants to get this license to actually work? How are they coming up with money to even pay for this? I don't know. Holy shit. So now this wouldn't be as trash as a story if the lovely state of Florida wasn't involved. Oh no! So investigate. I can't have one second. I'm happy that I live in this shithole. Thanks a lot. Here we go. Another reason. So investigators also learned that a guy in Tampa was helping Illinois drivers get Florida commercial licenses, and in fact, they find out that about a thousand truck drivers across 17 states got illegitimate licensing. Wow. And then later on, they learn actually it's closer to three thousand. Oh my god. That's a lot of people. <sighs> so let's go back to Ryan. So the heat is on and a lot of people from his office back in his Secretary of State days are on the hook and he is too, which is why he abstains from seeking re-election for his next term as governor. Mm. So, in addition to the licensing scam, a contractor named De Silvo also rigged bids so that he could renovate driver's license offices. So there's like all oh this stuff happening gosh. with these driver's license, which I would never, like you said, I would never think no. anything. It's a, I just think like, okay, you apply for Random. the license, you take the test, you pass or you fail they in probably the end. think it's the last place anybody's going to look yeah. for scamming. You know, like, yeah, you're in some strip mall somewhere, wow. you know? Wow. So eventually Ryan's buddy, Bauer... Um, mm-hmm. the guy, the briefcase guy, yeah. he finally pleads guilty to obstruction and a bunch of others are starting to get sentenced, top aides, other employees. And in the end, it's 66 people, Holy including Ryan, are involved oh my in this. God. But it's too many it's, people. It's, that's you a know lot of people. Yeah, there's yeah, 66 people, not, not even half of them can keep their mouth shut about this. Yes. There's no way. Yes. So finally, Ryan is in the spotlight and they start looking into his campaign finances and they see that there's some money that's not accounted for. And one of the articles I read said it was about $150,000 because remember that one earlier um, people that were arrested said, well, we gave some money to their the the, the fundraising tickets. So it's stuff like so there's this like line item on there Mm. and he's like, oh. That's an error. There was a mistake or 150,000. Hell, kind of a mistake. So there's more. Wow. They also find out that folks around him are involved in um, some larger schemes as well. So two of his top aides, Scott Falwell and Richard Giuliano, uh, basically used state money for Ryan's political campaign. And Ryan allegedly witnessed Falwell telling folks to destroy evidence. So he was present when like that conversation was happening. And his other friends, 
Lawrence Warner and Donald Utstian got busted for a kickback uh, scheme. They gave businesses who gave them money government contracts. So wow, um, one of which involved $4 million worth of contracts involving a metro commuter rail system. Oh, So it was just like thing after thing. So finally, Ryan is, is okay, you know, they kind of move all the way up and there he is and he gets indicted as well. Whoa. So the charges, according to a New York Times article and a U.S. Justice Department release, racketeering conspiracy, mail-in tax fraud, making false statements. So essentially he was taking payoffs. Sometimes it was in gifts or in vacations for contracts and other leases as Secretary of State. And I'm wondering because he knew that this stuff was, people were looking into this. And then he's elected governor. So there's really nothing from his time as governor because he probably because he knew the heat was on and he couldn't. But I was wondering, like, if no one got wind of this, what would he have done in that governorship position? Tina, you know, I was thinking the it's, same thing. If that accident hadn't happened, who knows how long this would have yes. gone on for? Because otherwise they never would have looked. Never Nobody would have known. ever would have looked. Here no one would know. Unless one of these 66 people opened their mouth. Right. Which is possible. Yes. Yes. Dang it. So the aftermath, according to the CNN Fast Facts article, uh, Ryan is sentenced to six and a half years in prison for racketeering, conspiracy, and fraud. And according to the New York Times, uh, then U.S. uh, Attorney Patrick Fitzgerald noted that Ryan's role in all of this was, quote, a low watermark for public service. Mm. And essentially what the the, uh, U.S. Attorney, like what he saw as the most terrible part of Ryan's role was that he didn't try to stop the scheme. Like when he heard, okay, all this stuff was happening, he wasn't like, oh shit, we better stop this. Like what's going on? He tried to cover it up. And that's where he's like, you know, like you had an opportunity perhaps to try to right the wrongs that were happening in your office and under your watch and all of that. And he didn't do it. So he put his own personal needs above the safety of his constituents that are out on those roads every day. Oh my God, it's, that it's, family. I, uh, my heart is I mean, breaking for that family. It's terrible. Jeez. Um, and according to Tulsa News, uh, the uh, U.S. Attorney General Fitzgerald also said, quote, basically the state of Illinois was for sale. Mm. So according to NBC News, Ryan had this to say after his conviction, quote, I believe this decision today is not in accordance with the kind of public service that I provided to the people of Illinois over 40 years. Oh, fuck and off. needless to say, I am disappointed in the outcome. Get, bye. Go to prison. See ya. Bye. Lock it up. Lock according <laughs> according to Michael Tarm's Southern Magazine article in 2013, after serving over five years, he was released at 77 years old. Mm. So he was, you know, 72 at the time when he got uh, put away. And then he got released to a halfway house for the remainder of his term. Like he had some 300 some days taken off for good behavior. Mm. So some points of interest that well, I think I'm, you're going to love. I'm waiting for him to hear he's running again or something. Oh, bullshit. no, no. You're okay. going to love this. Okay. So guess what? Yeah. Outside of the scandal, so he's a, um, also, I, I want to note that he's a Republican, mm-hmm. but he was, uh, he began his career like as a, um, really for the death penalty, but then at the end of his career, he was severely against. Of course, I mean, listen, you got all penalty. this shit going on, you know what, something's coming. <laughs> so guess what? Oh. Outside of the scandal, he becomes well known for commuting death sentences. And in fact, three days before he's out of office as governor, he commutes death sentences for 163 folks who were serving time for killing more than 250 people. Oh my! And that gosh. was like a huge thing. Some articles I read said like he did this sort of to distract from like what was happening with him. Mm-hmm. Other people say like no, like he's this anti-death 
you know, um, sentence person. So, um, according to a CNN article on George Ryan, Ryan, when announcing the computations had this to say in 2003, our capital punishment system is haunted by the demon of error, Mm. error in determining guilt, error in determining who among the guilty deserves to die. Mm. But this is the best part of all of this. According to um, a Kevin McDermott St. Louis Post-Dispatch article, while in prison, George Ryan is nominated five times for the Nobel Peace Prize what? For, for his this? capital punishment releases. Oh, my gosh. Always from the same dude, this uh, Francis A. Boyle, who is an international law professor. So I guess you have to have certain standing to be able to nominate. Oh, and because okay. he's an international law professor... He can nominate, and he nominated him five times, uh, and uh, he, you know, yeah, never they won. never gave it to him, obviously, because, you know, he's in prison for some pretty bad crimes. Yeah. So, um, but I'm like, dang, but this guy keeps putting his but name you know, up. It reminds put- me, uh, when he commuted these sentences, it reminds me of, you did a governor yes. who did this uh, in Tennessee, I want to yes, say. Yes, yes, yeah, but they did it, it was... Um, um, or Arkansas. It may have been Arkansas. I don't know, but he commuted sentences yeah. of so- and yes. even somebody who was like. But he was like a temporary governor yes. for a few days and he, that's where. Oh, like, yes, 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 yes. When Bill Clinton went over. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Girl, yes. no. So, but this guy, 163, was just like, boom, like yeah. done. My daughter just did a, she had to do a whole debate about the death yes. penalty. Should it be abolished or not? And the, she was given opposite of how she yes. feels she doesn't like the death penalty doesn't think it's good she had to yeah. argue to keep it yeah and it was hard it was hard to do and i would think it'd points. be harder today yeah yeah because apparently as of last year it's the first time in like 20 decades or two decades 20 years that the american people do not think that someone should get the death penalty for murder it's the first right. time since last so last year because it's not thought of as it's good not, yeah and it's not looked at as a deterrent yeah it's not like because like, that yeah. was like the big thing yeah. Uh, back in the day. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting is that his wife at the time, because, you know, they're older, but his wife was had terminal cancer. Oh, fuck. And he like begged to be released. And the judge was like, sorry, you know, there's many people whose families yeah. are dying. And the reverend's and, family, they don't have six yeah, children. They don't so have six kids. Sorry. But no. however, though, um, even though his uh, request was denied, he was permitted to visit. He had four short visits with her and he was allow- allowed to be present like when she... Um, in her final moments. But that's the story of George Ryan, the racketeering rep from Illinois. Wow. That's crazy. really good. It crazy was really, little really story. Good. So I loved it. Just stuff like, it's like, how did we never, this wasn't that long ago and it wasn't I've, like yeah. a national spot. I feel like it wasn't in the national spotlight. It may have been. So, so Pence must have been in there. Oh, he was Indiana. Never mind, yeah. right? I mean, what a story. Yeah, Illinois. Yes. Dang. Illinois. It's such, it's the gift that keeps on giving you. Yes. I love it. <laughs> such a great state to cover. Yeah. Oh my God. That was a, this was a, a fun one to cover where I was just like, wait a minute. When I saw the Nobel Peace Prize, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but he's giving his speeches. Like, you know, he gave a lot of speeches and they talked to him a lot about like the death sentence. So now he's like, there's the, something, there's there something. There he is. Like, like, he's not, it's not like he, his career isn't over. But to be able to be a public figure and know that there's all this stuff that's, that's come, just like with Eagleton, uh, you know, all this stuff that's, looming in the background yes. and you still go out as governor and act as and if work and talk it's and just incredible yeah, to the be duplicity to, the duplicity of it how can they is fascinating that? to me it's it's unbelievable yeah and then also for like for what for yeah. money like that's what you did all this for yeah uh, what it's, a scam. It's, it's terrible i mean people i mean people died yes that, i mean that poor family 
Oh my God. I can't take it. Well, I don't know. I feel like there was something I wanted to say at the end of this and now yes. I forgot. I forgot what it you know, was. We need a happy, <laughs> a happy moment. I know. Um, Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Oh. So I was on Amazon looking for stuff for my kids for Christmas because I can't find, I, I, people ask me what to get them and I have no idea. Oh. I, I honestly don't know anymore. Yeah, same. And, uh, cause they're getting at the age where it's like toys, toy toys yeah, are no. not a thing. No. Um, and I'm not buying somebody a fucking gaming system. Fuck you. Like, yeah. I'm not doing it. My yeah. son keeps asking for a Nintendo Switch. And I'm like, no, that's yeah. not happening. Well, we yeah, we we succumbed to the Xbox. Yeah, we have um, an old, old Wii. That's um, enough for me. Like, that's yeah, enough. Yeah, we have. And I think the Nintendo would have been better for their age. But mm-hmm. my son does love, I mean, he loves that soccer. Yeah. And the Minecraft. Well, they, my, my son's problem is that the Wii doesn't have, you know, now they have Wii U because they got to yeah. update everything. Every, so that oh, you have please. to buy, buy, buy new shit every please. time. So he wants to, the better games and there's, he loves yeah. Zelda and like he's into all that, yeah. but he wants the better, you know, quality game. Yeah, no, I get it. I get <laughs> it. Like whatever. Uh, I said ABs on your report card all, all year. I will buy you a Nintendo Switch at the end of the That to me is like, you'll that's get a, a good Nintendo motiva- Switch. Yeah, that's yeah. a good motivation. Otherwise, don't talk to me. Yeah. Anyway. I start looking at stuff that I want for Christmas and I end up buying myself the Elton John autobiography. <gasps> oh my God. I started reading it. It came yesterday. I started reading it this morning. It is so good. I'm, I don't know why, but somehow in my life, I've always been obsessed with Elton John. I love it. And I think it's because as a young kid, you know, my Elton John wasn't from the seventies. It was from the eighties. So yes. my first like memory of Elton John was in that Donald Duck costume. Oh, yes. Like that was my idea of Elton John and then seeing his costumes and the flamboyant uh, and the, all of that. Great. I was just like obsessed with like, yes. this, 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 this like dramatic, like fun, you know? I love it. Um, and I watched his, and of course I have tons of vinyl albums yes. and I was, so this morning I'm reading his book and I'm putting it down and running into it to like pull the albums out and start listening oh, to them. I love it. I have Honky Chateau, which is like my, my favorite Elton John album. Oh my God. We have, I have to go. So yours are very nicely. <laughs> Ours up. are in like milk crate. I mean, we have yeah. milk crates in the closet stacked yeah. Yeah. of vinyl. Oh my God. I love, well, that's why. So I started playing the, the, the worst part is that something skips and I'm like, who touched this album? Yeah. You know, but I'm like falling in love with him all over again. I watched the movie, the the movie that they made about his life. Um, it is so his life is just was just incredible. Yeah, terrible parents Aww. like overcame all of that, yeah. and like just his talent alone is just I can't imagine being born with such a remarkable talent. I know it's 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 incredible. Yeah, and then have parents who don't give a fuck about it. Could you imagine if one of your kids just like could hear a song and play it on the piano with no lessons yeah. and never. Oh my oh, God. It would be beautiful. Yeah. So I, know. I feel like he's a survivor. I, like I think more than yeah. anything, like that's the thing about him. That's beautiful. Yeah. Sobriety and like finding Aww. a way to like get through all of that has a family now. It's just so, uh, what a life this man has had. I love this. I know. And then used his fame and his fortune to like give back. He's raised oh my $450 God. million dollars no, for he does AIDS so research. Much. He does so much. It's incredible. It's incredible. And our friend Whitney actually had an extra ticket to see him. It must have been a year and a half ago yeah. at this point or a year ago because of the, the pandemic. But she gave me the ticket. We went to see him. It was <gasps> so, I, I can't 
I would love you, to see him to, to watch him play. Yes, at the piano. Oh my god, just, it's be incredible. It's so amazing. So oh. yeah, I'm like now deep diving into Elton John. I and know. I got to go through our album. I feel like you should just come over one day and like because Manny yes. has so much. Like he has got like go gos and like oh love. That. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. like well that's what I so that's what I I started pulling out. I have a Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack, <gasps> and I said to Sean, I I said to my husband like. Is this yours or is it mine? He's like, I don't think that's mine. I'm like, that's right. I probably bought yeah. Oh my God. Like, I love it. I love it. Uh, I know. So that's fun. That is a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I realized I probably should have just told him, like, put this on my Christmas list, the yeah. book. And then I was like, well, why am I no. waiting? I'm an adult. I can buy my own Buy gifts. your own. <laughs> I, so I have done nothing. I, I've done nothing. I've really done nothing. And like the, the, the shipping, they're, they're talking about like nothing's going to get here on time if oh, you haven't shit. done it. Like, you Uh-oh. know, so I don't, I'm, I'm like nervous about that. So I'm like, I'll just figure something out. Yeah. I think I need to go to more local shops. I think that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I I did do. So I did do a couple things on like Etsy. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy about that. But one of them, I'm like, well, when the hell is this even coming? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So we will see you next week. Next episode, special, special episode. I'm so excited to do that, to make, to put it all together. Okay. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.